It's time for the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert and Tony Morrell. Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you along with Tony Morrell. The GCI, lots to get to here on the first day of spring practice for Carolina football. Uh, and Tony, since the last time we talked, um, I guess the last episode we had two weeks ago, there was a lot of things that were up in the air about the uh, coaching staff. Will Muschamp finalizes his coaching staff, and uh, I'll start with the offense. It, it's kind of, I guess, you know, you had the Mike Bobo edition, the Joe Cox edition, but kind of going back to the future now as Brian McClendon stays on as the receivers coach and Bobby Bentley moves back to running backs. Um, I guess this was made possible, obviously, by McClendon not getting the wide receiver's job with the Steelers. You know, your initial thoughts on offense and, you know, how it kind of all shook out. Yeah, you know, I, I I guess I have more confidence in Bentley as a running backs coach than some of the fans do. I've seen some criticism of the move on the side and, and some, you know, seem to want to blame Bentley for uh, some of the lack of production that – the running backs had when he was the running backs coach. And, and I just don't, I don't think it's fair to, to put it at his feet. Uh, I think there were a lot of injury issues uh, with Rico Dowdle when, when Bitley, uh, you know, was the running backs coach. Dowdle obviously rebounded last year and had a much better year with Tavian Feaster in the room. And, and he stayed healthy for, for more of the season. Uh, but I, I think that same thing would have happened had Bentley been the running backs coach last year. I, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it, it would have, he would have handled it any differently. Uh, and then, you know, Tyson Williams, I think, just had some anxiety issues, some different things that plagued him over the course of his Gamecock career, and he just never really found that consistent production. But uh, I think Bentley can be can do a good job at, at the running backs coach. Um, you know, McC- I, I probably have more concerns about Brian McClendon as a receivers coach, and I do Bentley as a running backs coach, just because I don't think McClendon has recruited well enough at his position. I don't think they're fast enough at receiver, and and I don't think the players have developed quite as well as you would have liked there. So, uh, you know, maybe with him no longer having the coordinator responsibilities, he can do a better job with his group. But I would say wide receiver is the position I have the most question marks about on this team right now, and uh, he's going to have his hands full, I think, to to get that group where it needs to be as he looks to replace Brian Edwards and uh, the production that, that Edwards gave him. I, you know, I don't know that they have a guy ready to step into those shoes, but we'll see. But overall, I, I like the offensive staff. I think Mike Bobo's a really good addition. I think Joe Cox is a really good addition. I think Eric Wolford's offensive line will perform better in Mike Bobo's scheme. I think it's a better fit, a better match there between those two uh, with what Wolford wants to do and what Bobo wants to do. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a solid group overall, but uh, obviously a lot of eyes will be on Bentley and McClendon with with those two coming back, and we'll we'll see how their their position groups fare this year. Yeah, here's a little inside scoop for those of you uh, that uh, may not know when, when they were putting the staff together, um, Bentley was hired, and you know there was some talk that he could have ended up at receivers. I mean, you know, Bobby Bentley can coach. You know, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks, receivers, <clears throat> whatever. Um, so I, I kind of felt like, Tony, that, that maybe the move would have been move Bobby to receivers and uh, McClendon then goes back to running backs where he was very, very successful uh, for years at Georgia. Um, running backs coaches, you know, a, a lot of it's recruiting and building those relationships on the recruiting trail. And, um, you know, Bobby Bentley had Tank Bigsby uh, – 
wrapped up, I guess you could say, and then, you know, they switched it to Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown, of course, went and got Marshawn Lloyd. But so much of it's about recruiting, and Bobby's a good recruiter. Um, I just, you know, I, I kind of thought maybe that would, you know, give Brian McClendon something new, take him back to the future a little bit, get a fresh set of eyes on those receivers, you know, somebody that's obviously coached up a lot of receivers within his offense over the years and puts a premium on speed. So, I mean, I you know, if there was a move to make, I think I would have made it. But I, but I agree with you. The, the criticism of, of Bentley as a running backs coach uh, is a little unfounded. You know, a lot of the, the situations where, you know, the rotation was a little cattywampus had to do with nagging injuries, guys taking themselves out of games, uh, things of that nature. You know, Tyson Williams, you mentioned him. That's very interesting. Tyson actually had a good start at BYU this past year before he got hurt. Um, but it seemed like every time Tyson Williams would get going, there would be an injury. Um, the Ole Miss game in 2018 comes to mind. The kid had 105 yards receiving. They finally looked like the player we all thought. And then, lo and behold, he breaks his hand and doesn't really play a whole lot for the rest of his Gamecock career, which was unfortunate. But, yeah, I think that, that group was just so beat up. Um, throughout Bobby Bentley's tenure. I mean, you know, people forget he took Rico Dowdle, who had not played a lot of running back in high school. Um, and Rico's freshman year, the true freshman, once he got healthy, you know, Rico rushed for almost 800 yards. I mean, so that's coaching him up a little bit. I think Bobby Bentley made A.J. Turner and Mon Denson better than we thought those two would be. I mean, I don't know that you disagree with that. That I mean, We didn't have high expectations for either one of those guys. And I think he helped them become, you know, max out their talent. Uh, you know, particularly Mon Denson, who I, I can promise you, nobody was sitting around thinking Mon Denson would help Carolina win a football game. Um, you know, before the new staff got there, Mon Denson decided to start working hard. And he did. You know, getting back to that old Miss game, Mon Denson doesn't make that big run. You know, Carolina probably doesn't win that football game. So, uh, I'm with you on that. You know, I may have gone a different direction, but, you know, I'm not there. I'm not in the room every day. Will Muschamp has to do things like, you know, balance staff chemistry, make sure people are happy. And, um, you know, maybe I would have liked to have seen what McClendon could have done going back to running backs. But, you know, McClendon's position, as you said, is a major concern. And if you're going to keep him on staff, you know, he could focus on fixing it. You know, I, I think that um, – there are some options there uh, that have some potential. We just haven't seen it. Hated to see, speaking of injuries, Ranrigus Davis is hurt yet again. Um, and I was saying earlier this week, Tony, I'm just kind of proud of the guy for not quitting football at this point. I <laughs> just, you know, that guy, It's uh, it's been tough sledding for him. Um, but, you know, there's some other guys in that receiving core that definitely need to step up. Um, you know, you, you have a major development project there to carry and Joiner. Uh, who has some potential at that position? Xavier Leggett as well. Um, you know, I, I, you know, Tyquan Johnson, who we'll talk about later, is another guy. So we'll see kind of how it, it all plays out. And um, uh, they got the staff now, so uh, they're ready to roll. Now, defensively, you know, there, there weren't a lot of changes. Kyle Krantz, of course, goes off the field, then comes back on the field. Tracy Rocker comes in as defensive line coach. Um, Krantz will be assisting with the secondary. And then the Gamecocks hired a, a player that I remember you covering in recruiting before I even was working in recruiting, Rodriguez Wilson, a former Gamecock who was with the Chiefs this year, 
Tony, I think he brings a ton of credibility to the table with a Super Bowl ring as an alum, as somebody from the low country of South Carolina, where you know that's an important recruiting area in terms of building relationships. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know much about how he'll end up coaching linebackers. I know he did it at Charleston Southern. But I think just in terms of fit, you know, that was a heck of a hire. Yeah, you know, Rodriguez Wilson was a player that, that Lou Holtz and his staff always raved about uh, with, in terms of his intelligence and his football IQ and, and you know, his guy who played quarterback, he played safety, played linebacker, he played special teams. He did so many different things over the course of his career and, uh, you know, really got the most of his abilities. And I think he's a guy that you know it may take him some time to adjust to to recruiting at the SEC level and and you know to find his footing in his territory. Uh, but I think he he brings a lot of good things to the table in terms of of personality uh, as a, a player with passion for the program, having played at Carolina, uh, like you said, a Palmetto State native, low particularly in the Low Country, uh, which is can can be a an interesting area to recruit, uh, and I think you know having a native who who has the ties down there uh, and understands the landscape, uh, I think he he can can help them there too. So um, I I think he's a good addition, and you know he'll learn under Muschamp this spring. Muschamp said he would they would coach to the inside linebackers together this spring, and then Muschamp's plans to turn them, the linebackers over to to Wilson uh, in the fall, which will presumably allow Muschamp to focus more on the big picture and the defense as a whole. And uh, now that he has, a, you know, essentially an assistant or, or offensive head coach in, in Mike Bobo, I think he has to, to spend much less time worrying about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so it, it should allow Muschamp to, to really maximize his head coaching responsibilities. And, uh, and, and you would hope that would, would pay off with, you know, potentially some more wins and, and a better defensive group. Um, that, that performs more consistently this season. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Completely consistency would be a big key. Speaking of consistency, one of the more shocking, inconsistent performing uh, groups on the field, heck, it may have been, you may have, it may be even consider it below average at best, uh, is the safety position. Uh, Will Muschamp personally coach that. It, it's been that position is not so much coaching as it has been personnel, but um, there's an article on thebigspur.com by Hill McGranahan talking about the different options at safety. I don't know if this is going to be the spring they get this right or not. I uh, thought it was interesting. O'Donnell Fortune will start there. He kind of projects there long term. Um, Izzy McWamu, I think, is, is, the, is the question mark in terms of will they be able to afford to move him over? And that depends on guys like John Dixon and Cam Smith at corner uh, for what Muschamp hinted at the other day. Uh, and then you got an R.J. Roderick and, and Jamie Robinson coming back, uh, plus Jalen Dickerson, Shiloh Sanders. You know, what do you think are the keys here at safety uh, for this position that's been very frustrating for, I think, everybody involved to watch the first four years of the Muschamp era uh, to maybe take that next step? Well, I think it's been the position that is the biggest mystery, you know, uh, throughout Muschamp's tenure. Uh, if he'd have told me, you know, four or five years ago when he was hired that that he would coach the safeties, and you look at his history uh, of producing safeties, particularly taking quarterbacks and turning them into NFL safeties, he's done it multiple times. 
um, to, to, to see the lack of success they've had and just the, the, like you said, below average play they've, they've had at safety really throughout his tenure has been extremely hard to explain. You know, you would think that safety would be one of the easiest positions to recruit, um, you know, and I don't know if his standards are just too high. I, I don't know how to explain it, but the safeties have, have not been very good. And maybe a new voice uh, in terms of coaching those guys will help um, with Kyle Krantz taking over the safeties this year. Uh, but, you know, they, ha- they have a lot of options, but not a lot of proven options. <clears throat> you know, Jalen Dickerson, you know, his, his injury history has been pretty similar to Randrikas Davis, who you mentioned earlier in, in the podcast. And, and it, it's hard to know whether they can count on Jalen Dickerson to stay healthy. If he can, he's good enough to, to be a good player for them and, and to make some big plays. But he just has not been able to stay healthy for any extended period of time. Uh, you mentioned Mukwamu. Uh, I do think he could be a good safety for them, but I, I know that Muschamp has told people that he believes he's a better corner or better fit at corner than safety. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, like you said, I think it would take someone else emerging at that other cornerback spot that he feels good enough about in order to, to play Mukwamu, uh with any, you know, for any long period of time at the safety spot. But I, my guess is you're going to see him play a little bit of both this year. Uh, be a guy who fills in at safety when needed, but probably not the starter back there. Um, you know, but I, I think they're going to need some young players to step up, whether it's a Shiloh Sanders or a Donald Fortune or whether they end up moving Jamie Robinson to safety more. Uh, you know, whatever combination uh, they think will work best, they've got to find it. And I think they have to find it this spring. I don't think they can afford to come out of the spring not knowing who their safeties are going to be and then go into the fall planning to experiment again and, and try to figure out what personnel works best. They need to come out of the spring with this settled and assuming that the players stay healthy, they need to know who both safeties are going to be and who their likely backups are going to be and what kind of production they can get from them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if Jalen Dickerson is not a starter then may, and, and Cam Smith and or Johnny Dixon come on, Maybe you do shift Mukwamu over. If Dickerson's not that good, maybe you start Mukwamu at corner and then move him over. I'm, you know, there's some people ready to move Mukwamu tomorrow. I, you know, I know the guy isn't the fastest guy in the world, but I, I think a lot of that with him last year was experience and, and some other stuff. I, I don't know that he's a liability out there. Um, if Cam Smith can reach his potential, obviously I think Cam Smith could be better. But, um, you know, McQuamu, I'm not ready to just move him yet. But if Dickerson could be the starter there, I think you can go Dickerson, Roderick, Robinson, and Nickel. Uh, and then the two corners as they were last year with the other guys coming in. I'm not, uh, you know, and I think that's a pretty decent, pretty decent group. I, I thought, I don't know about you, I thought Jamie Robinson very, was almost quiet because of how the season went. But I thought Robinson was really impressive last year and, um, could be even better this year with with the experience he got as a true freshman. No, I totally agree with that. I, I think he's a guy who got better and better with each game, and and really by the end of the season was playing a lot of snaps, and was moving around and and you know doing different things pre-snap, and and you could tell he was a player the coaches had a lot of confidence in, in terms of of him knowing where to be and and reading plays and and just I think the overall anticipation skills he showed. Uh, he, he got better and better in man coverage and I think is going to be a big part of the defense this year. I, I, you know, whether it, it, it's strictly at nickel or whether he plays some safety too, 
I think he's one of the tone setters for them. You know, someone in my question thread today asked me, you know, who's who's the closest thing to DJ Swearinger uh, on the team right now? And the two players I mentioned were J.C. Horn and and Jamie Robinson. And I, I think he's got a, a chance to uh, you know be a guy who gets better and better and becomes more and more physical and becomes more of a, a player that that opposing offenses are are concerned about with with some of the things he can do as a player. Yeah, I think I don't know if I've mentioned it before here with you on, on this particular podcast. I know I've mentioned it before. Underrated play from last year, the Georgia game, you know, right before the missed field goal, I think Fromm had a, an out to Demetrius Robinson. It's kind of a comeback route at the pylon. Would have been a touchdown, would have won the game for Georgia. Um, you know, Robinson got just enough coverage uh, to break it up. Um and and I think that, you know, having gone through the pass interference deal earlier in that game and in that situation, in that environment with the game on the line, um, that impressed me as far as his maturity and his courage uh, and ability to shake off bad plays, which I think I think something if you if you want to know like Mukwamu and some of his struggles, I think sometimes this past year Mukwamu would give up a big play or something, and then he kind of go in the tank for a while. I think he's got to get more consistent in that area. But Robinson, to me, you know, short memories. We always talk about short memories, and you mentioned D.J. Swearinger, the shortest memory of all. Uh, I'll never forget two straight penalties and then a pick six. <laughs> you know, that's – And then another penalty after he threw it in the end zone. <laughs> threw it in the sand. That was unbelievable. So, uh, you know, that that's the shortest memory of all. So, I, I think that um, – that's one thing to look for. And, I, you know, I like, I like O'Donnell Fortune. And, yeah, I'm curious to see what Dominic Hill does this spring. I mean, those guys may not start, but I think it's good to rotate them in. Uh, I'll, I'll always remember South Carolina back in 2000 was thin in the secondary. Uh, you know, you had Faison starting. You had, I think, Antoine Neesmith at one of the safeties. And then Sheldon Brown and Andre Goodman were as good as anybody in the country. But, you know, the backup corners on that team, Tony, were a couple of true freshmen named Dante Robinson and Rasheem Monroe. Um, that was kind of just the situation they were in. And I thought, you know, although Rasheem Monroe ended up being, you know, not as good as maybe we would have thought, Dante Robinson got a lot of valuable snaps. And I think freshmen can do that. Um, you know, I think Johnny Dixon, had he played a little bit more consistently and they hadn't have just decided to redshirt him, could have done that. And then Cam Smith, of course – was a red shirt all the way. But um, I think it will be important this year if, 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 if people are looking uh, toward the program, establishing depth, you know, Fortune and Hill, maybe Joey Hunter when he gets in, you know, those guys need to be uh, backups, you know, valuable, liable, backups that aren't a liability. Uh, how about that? So that's, uh, that's going to be something to watch. All right, so Tyquan Johnson's a guy that everybody seems to talk about. <laughs> Uh, and I think it's because, you know, if you follow recruiting, the Gamecocks did use two – they didn't use two scholarships on it. They used two spots or letters of intent, you know, because they limit you to 25 these days. And um, so they signed him twice out of Screven County, Georgia. Their mascot is the Gamecocks. Uh, he played for the guy that used to coach at Bamberg Earhart that everybody, you know – I don't know. I don't remember. Ron, Ron Duncan. Duncan. Ron Duncan. So, so, so there's a lot of notorious storylines that surround uh, Tyquan Johnson here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
He's finally on campus. You know, he got in late last year, and uh, and John Del Bianco, uh, who works for us at thebigspur.com, goes out and sees practice today and says, this kid looks significantly bigger and better. Tony, I remember you mentioning him in the preseason, and, and a couple of your sources had said good things. And then, of course, like a lot of receivers, he, he didn't see the field last year. You know, take us back to that, what you heard then. Any chance this guy could be a guy that steps up? I know Muschamp mentioned him the other day. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of a mystery, but I, I was encouraged to see the report today that he looks better physically. Yeah, I would agree that that's an encouraging sign that he's had a good offseason and has really filled out physically, added some good muscle, good weight. Uh, but I, I don't have a good feel for him right now. I wish I did. You know, I asked uh, someone in the program after the season if any of the, the, the young wide receivers had flashed to the point where they felt pretty confident about them going forward. And really the only one who was mentioned to me at that time was Kevion Mullins, who of course has since moved to tight end. Uh, so I, I don't know that, that he had the kind of, of first year the coaches would have liked, uh, but he, like you said, he's still very young. He needed to get bigger and stronger, and it sounds like he's done that. Uh, so, you know, maybe he can, can make some strides in year two, but I think we're going to have to wait and see where he is in the rotation this spring you know, get some feedback from some people inside the program to see what he looks like in scrimmages and, you know, just in, in some of the, the seven-on-seven work that they do to see if he looks like a guy who can help them. But I don't think there's any question receiver is a is a position where they need some guys like this to step up. And, you know, I, I don't think they have, you know, six guys right now that they feel like they could go play a game with tomorrow and get production from. I think, you know, Xavier Leggett is a guy they have high hopes for, but he was – inconsistent last year and had some drops and uh you know jay urich goes back to quarterback full-time i think you know joiner is probably the guy who's most intriguing to me of those receivers uh because he looked much more natural playing the position despite how little work he'd had there he caught the ball with his hands he he caught it naturally i think the key with him is he just has to stay healthy he, he never was himself last year from a speed or quickness standpoint because of the hamstring and the other things that bothered him in his lower body but if he can stay healthy this year i think he can be a guy who who produces for them in the slot they need shy smith obviously to step up and then or trey smith there's a lot riding on him i think to to potentially you know step into brian edwards shoes and uh, be that big play, bigger bodied wide receiver who can make plays down the field, make those tough catches on third down to extend drives. And I think he has the talent to be a, a good player for them. It's just a matter of whether that knee is going to allow him to to use his abilities. And obviously last year was a disappointment for him with, with the, you know, after having the procedure in the off season and then he just, it didn't cooperate, but he was out there today with no, no knee brace on and seemed to be moving well. So obviously the hope is he can, be much healthier this year and, and, and be a bigger part of the offense. Yeah, or Trey Smith caught 30 passes as a true freshman, uh, four-star receiver out of Wando. Never going to be a burner, but, you know, we've seen over the years bigger guys that, that maybe don't have that blinding speed be very, very productive simply because their size. He's a massive receiver. He's a guy that can – I think can make some things happen. Um, you know, like you said, as long as he's healthy. You know, as long as he's healthy. So – Muschamp mentioned something in his press conference yesterday that was interesting, and I, I don't know what to make of it, really. It, it's He talked about the fact the quarterbacks are going to be going under center a lot more this year 
And, and, and it was almost emphasized, you know, hey, there's a lot that you got to do. It's totally different, blah, blah, blah. But I look at Mike Bobo's offense during the latter years at Georgia, Tony, and I look at it at Colorado State, and there was some under center, but there was a lot of shotgun. Um, so, so I was going to get your take on this. How much under center do you, do you think the Gamecocks are going to going to really do this year? I, I just, you know, I that would concern me a little bit because I think that's a completely different ball game when you're doing that. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I was surprised that it was emphasized as much as it was in the press conference. Well, I can't say that's something I've asked anyone about to, to have a feel for the percentage of, you know, what's, how often they're going to be in the shotgun, how often they're going to be under center. But I, I don't think it's a surprise that they're going to be under center when you see them bring in a fullback uh, like Adam Prentice, which indicates they're going to run a lot of I formation. And, you know, that there's, it's tough to run the I formation if you're not under center uh, the way it's supposed to be run. So, um, you know, obviously there's different things that could do with the pistol and, and different ways to get creative. But I, I think they are going to go under center. And, and I think it's, it can be a positive if the quarterbacks can handle it. You know, I don't know how much work Ryan Helinski has had under, under center over the course of his career. I, you know, I'm sure he did it at some point, but it is different. It's a, it, it's a different way of, uh, of having to read the defense as you're dropping back and, and to plant your foot and let it go, uh, you know, versus already being in the backfield and, and having a little bit more time uh, to make your, your read. So, and then of course, Luke Doty, I, I, he, it's possible he's never been under center, uh, with with what they ran at Myrtle Beach and and his you know he really hasn't been a quarterback his whole life he's played receiver uh, quite a bit so it'll it'll be an adjustment for him and I think the other reason why Muschamp is is saying the quarterback competition could could go into the fall is is Colin Hill you know the the Colorado State transfer who's still recovering from a torn ACL that he suffered uh, in his senior season but. Nobody knows the offense better than Hill does, having been out there with Bobo for the last four years. And uh, he, he knows exactly what Bobo is looking for from a quarterback. And, and, you know, I think the coaches want to get a look at, at what he brings to the table before they make any final decision on who the quarterback's going to be. But I think Kalinsky has the edge right now, you know, it, it, with, with Hill not participating in the spring and, and Doty being a true freshman. Certainly it, it's Kalinsky's job uh, to win. But he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to stay healthy and prove it and be a consistent guy and, and show that he can can thrive in Bobo's offense. So, you know, it, it's it's probably a, a position that's not going to be completely settled until the fall. Uh, but I think that's understandable when you look at all the variables there. Yeah, and I think that's smart because, I, I mean, I like Colin Hill. And obviously, you know, if you have any kind of adjustment uh, with, you know, executing the offense the proper way with Helensky – you know, there's kind of an insurance policy there. And I think Colin Hill, you know, at Colorado State, when you really watch what he accomplished, he was really good. And I remember him coming out of Dorman, seeing him at the Shrine Bowl that year. I thought he's, you know, I was like, wow, this guy's a really good player. I think that was 2016 was the recruiting class. And the Gamecocks, of course, had Brandon McElwain and Jake Bentley in that class. Um, so really no – I mean, I think some people – maybe thought he could have gotten a bigger offer than Colorado State. But as far as the Gamecocks were concerned, they were full of quarterbacks. So um, that wasn't going to happen. But Colin Hill, you know, I, I think is a very, very intriguing uh, player. And I've heard a lot of great things about Luke Doty, too, just talking to people from around the program. 
you know, since he's been there, his attention to detail, you know, all that good stuff. I think he's going to end up being a really good one uh, for the Gamecocks. Don't know how he – I'm curious to see how he fits in terms of, you know, and that's why I ask about the the under center versus shotgun thing. Because like you said, I don't, I don't think that kid's ever been under center. Myrtle Beach High School, they just don't go under center. But – I'll say this about being under center, too. You you watch pro football these days, and they still get up under there, and it's a mix, and you, you kind of never know when it's coming. It's a little unpredictable. Uh, even in the XFL, I went to an XFL game this past weekend, and uh, there's a lot of under center, even in that league, which is supposed to be more fun. <laughs> so I, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to have that kind of there. I think um, – Teams kind of get used to defending offenses out of the shotgun. You throw them something different, maybe you you bust a big play or something like that. All right, that's the Football Insider episode. We kind of ran through that today, and um, we're going to bring it to you each and every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Tony Morales, J.C. Sherbert, have a great day, everyone.